When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk. You're welcome to the show. It is great to have your company. This is the preview of day one of the most prestigious week of racing in the flat calendar. It's Royal Ascot, and we are joined by the best commentator in the business, Simon Holt. Great to have your company, sir. Great to be here, Emmett. Nice to speak with you again and great to have you back on the show as well simon Uh, as we look ahead to day one beforehand the going is currently good to firm and the the forecast is is good as well uh what kind of ground are you expecting because you're going to be commentating for the week as well we should say well the forecast is more than good because it's going to get hot and uh it's going to be a dry week according to all the weather forecasts i've seen um it could possibly break up a little bit by Saturday, but I think um, Thursday and Friday are going to be particularly warm days, Friday in particular. And so it's good to firm good in places at the moment. And the clerk of the course, Chris Stickles, is watering. Uh, I always think good to firm is fine for top class flat racing. But if it gets really warm over the next few days, then um, it might need a bit of extra water on it. It, it may really dry out, you know, and. Uh, uh, it's just um, the the way it is, and, and it's going to affect some horses' chances, and perhaps some won't run. The likes of True Shan in the Gold Cup probably yeah. won't run. I wouldn't have thought, and um, um, and uh, Scope as well in the Gold Cup. I think both of those will cut in the ground. So, so one of the things to look out for, perhaps, if 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 you've got a if you're looking at any of the races, and you know a horse seems to be a bit ground dependent wants a bit of cut in the ground, it might not be his or her week because uh, I think conditions will be on the quick side. I, I like it when they let this happen. I know that for safety pro- protocols, there's a bit of a panic about this, but um, there are horses who are specifically bred to thrive on this kind of surface. So let them run on it and, and ask it do a great job at the turf and fairness. So I'm looking forward to it. And um as we're recording on Sunday evening, uh, going is good to firm, and that'd be fantastic for the week, in in my view. Uh, in, in terms of how you approach Ascot, just before we, we go through the races, 
draw, pace bias, um, different services like Timeform, Proform, uh, Cyrus, who do particularly well at the chorus. Is there anything that you really hone in on for the week of the Royal Meeting? Well, I think there are a number of things that um, I would be concerned about. I think a high draw on the round course is not ideal given the size of some of the fields, uh, particularly over the mile and a quarter because, you know, they turn into Swindley Bottom just a couple of furlongs later and a horse can get caught out very wide, waste a lot of ground there, can be very difficult to win from a wide draw unless the jockey can somehow get in um, at going into Swindley Bottom. Uh, I think on the straight course, it's such a stiff straight course, you know, it can be very hard to make all the running and I tend to be looking for perhaps a horse that comes from off the pace a little bit uh, on the straight course at any distance. Uh, we've got the King's Stand Stakes on Tuesday and they're going to go a million miles an hour and it's a really stiff five and I think you uh, would be looking for something that might be picking up the pieces late on. And the other thing that um, I would mention perhaps with regard to a meeting like this, and it's a very high-profile meeting, and you really need good jockeyship, and there are certain jockeys that are brilliant at Ascot. And I, obviously, Frankie de Tory, uh, it's been the course where he's really enjoyed the most success. And also, Ryan Moore will, will ride the course very well. So, you know, I think that's very important that you've got jockeys that um, can rise to the big occasion and most of all not make any mistakes because, you know, they're big fields and you've got to find a way through the traffic. Yeah, 100%. That is some great advice and should be heeded. Uh, it's not going to be a big field for our opening race and I don't think it's going to be a long conversation either unless Simon Holt's about to shock me. But the current betting for the Queen Anne Stakes to kick things off, the star of the flat season, Baid is currently 4-1 to one on with Kaluki Sportsbook. 4-1 to one on the current price. Uh, Real World, who was second to him in the lockage last time out, is 7-1 to one with Kaluki. Chinned at 14s. And Order of Australia, who Aidan O'Brien confirmed on Friday on the final Fulham podcast, would be running in this race. Ryan Moore on board. And he is 16-1. to one. Mother Earth goes on Wednesday instead in the Duke of Cambridge. Uh, he's a superstar. Baid, is this going to be his fourth group one in a row? Well, it's going to be a major shock, isn't it, if he's beaten... He's won his, all his seven races. He's got better and better. You know, he developed into a Group 1 horse by the end of last season, won the Prix de Moulin, Queen Elizabeth II on Champions Day, and he reappeared with a thoroughly authoritative win in the lock-in. So it's just so difficult to see him being beaten, really. Emerson, the real world was over three lengths behind him at uh, Newbury. You'd need a, a big surprise, Order of Australia, uh, has got good form in the past. He hasn't run since disappointing at Keeneland towards the end of last year. This is his first time out for him. But even so, you know, he's going to have to improve because Baid is probably improving still. That's yeah. the astonishing thing, that he's actually getting better. In fact, they, the handicap ratings confirm that because he actually um, is going up all the time. You know, he's on 125 now. That's a very lofty rating. So so I agree. I don't think we really need dwell too much on it because this horse has looked extremely good. There's no telling how good he's going to be. And he's some way short of Frankel, of course, won this race by 11 lengths all those years ago and ended up being rated 140. So he's still a stone off Frankel. But he's looking a horse that, um, you know, could uh, really dominate the uh, miling uh, range um, for this season. And I guess that probably would be it. But, um, you know, 
he's he's a fantastic horse. He's got a great turn of foot and seems to have a perfect attitude as well. Just switches off, push button, and he's got it all. He really does. And it would be a massive upset were he beaten in the without market. That might be some interest. Um, I I was quite taken with how Aidan O'Brien talked about Order of Australia. He explained that he got an injury in the Breeders' Cup and that this has been the plan to bring him back in this race. They looked at the lock inch, but they decided to come here. And I wouldn't be overly shocked if he finished second, but that's what you're talking about, really. Uh, I think you can get 9-2 to two Order of Australia without Bayeed, but this is a race to just sit back and watch. Either put him in your accumulator or your lucky 15, uh, but really, this is just sit back and, and watch the fireworks go off because Bayeed should destroy them. Um, uh, from Group 1 company to Group 2, but potential Group 1 horses. This is a really exciting renewal of the Coventry Stakes. And um, again, as Aidan O'Brien confirmed on the podcast on Friday, Blackbeard and Age of Kings go. Little Big Bear has been diverted uh, to the Windsor Castle. And uh, Kaluki go 130 about Blackbeard, unbeaten in three Persian Force, uh, 130, who Oshin Murphy talked about on the show not so long ago. Age of Kings, Frankie Dettori comes in for the ride. Um, 1.1 million. Just the 1.1 million. Pocket change to Simon Holt. Uh, he goes 5-1. to one. Uh, Simon, what's your take on this year's Coventry? It looks a very exciting Renault. Well, it looks a hot race, and, but they always do at Ascot. When the, the two-year-old races always look very hot, and sometimes afterwards it turns out that they weren't quite so hot. You know, <laughs> it's still relatively, it's still relatively early in the season for two-year-olds. And uh, I mean, we had perfect power one at last year's meeting. He was he turned out to be a very very good two-year-old, didn't he? And um, may yet, you know, prove to be a, a, a very good three-year-old as well. Barcher Shadow won this race last year. Uh, he's probably a little bit below top class. The Aidan O'Brien pair look extremely promising, don't they? Blackbeard, unbeaten in three, Age of Kings. You've got to go with the jockey bookings, Ryan Moore on Blackbeard, Frankie Dettori on Age of Kings. Um, there's no real form lines, no correlation with any of the British horses, really. I think that the ones that have probably shown them the most um, exciting form is Persian Force who won the Brocklesby first and all. I don't know if a Brocklesby winner has won at Royal Ascot for many years yeah, but he was a very very good winner of the Brocklesby very impressive and he backed it up when winning at Newbury and beating uh, Holguin who reopposes him and um, should certainly confirm those placings and you've got uh, this Royal Scotsman who seems to be very highly regarded by um, Paul and Ollie Cole and he was a very impressive winner at Goodwood the other day, won by a wide margin. Just not sure what he beat particularly, but um, they they do regard him very highly, and they have had one or two good two-year-olds, the Coles, at this meeting. There's there's lots in there that have won races, and it's just quite difficult tying up the form. I think um, one possible outsider might be Richard Fahey's horse rousing four rousing encore i'm sorry who um has won his last two one two out of three and uh, of course far he won with the uh, aforementioned perfect power last year and this horse won at pontifrat which is a very stiff six furlongs last time out so that's a good good sign and also he beating that day an odds on horse called Bridge, who had been very impressive on uh, his earlier start uh, when winning at Weatherby. So uh, I think that form's okay. And Breege beat a horse called Commander Straker at Weatherby, who, who has turned out to be a very fast two-year-old. So uh, I think the form has a bit of substance. The time was okay. 
and I might just have a little each way on rousing encore, but it's very hard to be confident. And you would have thought that if either the Aidan O'Brien pair are future group horses, where they're going to they're going to play a big part. And the other one I should mention is Bradzell, who was very impressive at York first time out, yeah. one by. Wide margin. The second has been beaten since, but this horse, uh, son of Tasleet, absolutely ran away with it and was quite well backed as well. So clearly, been showing little. But it was good to soft ground that day at York, and it's going to be a lot quicker at Ascot. Yeah, nine lengths he won by that day. It's extraordinary mm. to see. It really was. Like, you just don't see that with uh, juveniles. Um, I respect the fact that Ryan Moore has gone for Blackbeard. I'm, I'm all over Age of Kings. Uh, I, I thought he looked all at sea on debut, but I was still very taken with it. Um, I, I thought that's a fellow, if he can get his act together, he's going to be quite smart. And then he bolted up at the curve and was yeah. very professional that day. Um, and Frankie on board, I wouldn't, you know, obviously Frankie's fantastic uh, and a terrific jockey. So it's interesting that it's not Shamey who has won this race on War Command in the past or or Wayne. It's interesting that they've they've gone for Frankie. Um, and I suspect that that will be something that we'll see throughout the week uh, in terms of second rides for, for Belly Doyle. Um, and I was quite taken with it. I think it was probably a hard decision yeah. for, for Ryan. I don't, you know, there's been a lot of support he, from today. That will that will coincide with the Godolphin horse coming out, but he, he's interesting to me. I, I think he's the one I'd be pretty strong on. We're seeing these colours a lot, aren't we? These these Westerberg colours, yes. uh, which is carried by Luxembourg, and um, uh, becoming much more prominent and playing a big role and it's it's the uh, the guy from um the opal family isn't it the, yeah, he's, um, the, opal he's the grandson of the founder of opal yes and he's a billionaire is it george von opal is that his name that, that's like that? it i think yeah and um so he's a big player and obviously getting involved in a lot of uh, horses with aiden o'brien one or two horses here as well so um and you know they're spending big Big bucks, aren't they? As you said, 1.1 million this horse costs. I do like to see form franked, particularly the two-year-old form. And you're just a little bit um, concerning that the third horse at um, the Curra uh, did get beat, didn't really improve next time out. But he was very impressive, Age of King. So. But I, I just think it's very hard to tie up the form. You know, it's all about potential, isn't it, going into this sort of race. And um, and most of them are coming into the race off a win, and it's it's almost you know you have to wait until they get beat to really find out how bad they are or how how not bad they are. <laughs> that, that's the reality of racing. It's how not it bad is. your horse is. Particularly <laughs> with two year olds, because yeah. you know they're they're winning their maidens and they're novice and a horse like Bradsell, who we've said won by nine lengths at York. Um, the second's been beaten since, but he you know visually he was incredibly impressive. But it's so hard to say how good he, how good he is uh, on time. Looking at some of the time figures, uh, Royal Scotsman and the horse I quite like, Rousing Encore, both posted quite good time figures. So for time freaks, those those two could be of interest for sure. Interesting. All right, let's let's keep them in mind from a time perspective. Stride analysis, uh, but Age of Kings for me. I think. Frankie might end up on the, on the right one here and, and Ryan might be kicking himself. We, we shall see. Maybe Blackbeard's going to bolt him. Um, but uh, Kingman, who's a Royal Ascot winner, and of course known in ever Royal Ascot winner as a juvenile, so he's the sire of Blackbeard. It's a fascinating race, but uh, the most valuable commodity in racing is potential. And at this moment in time, it's all about the excitement and the potential of these horses. But can they go on to bigger things? We'll see at Royal Ascot on Tuesday. Uh, 
we've been teeing this one up. Neil Callan described it as the Far East versus the Far West. It's Australia against North America and kind of the UK. Uh, Wesley Ward has got Golden Pal, who was outright favorite for the King Stand 340 on ITV and Sky Sports Racing, NBC in the States. But they're now joint favorites. Nature Strip has been well backed. He is the best sprinter in the world officially. He's the second highest rated horse in the world. And uh, they're both 11 to 4 with Kaluki right now. Twilight Calls for Henry Candy is 13 to 2. And Man of Promise for Charlie Appleby and William Buick, 11 to 1. Splitting these two, uh, this is fascinating. This is what Royal Ascot's all about the proper international challenge. And this is, this is what we want to see on the big stage. And it's great that the Australians are back. Was the award is big enough his horse? He had a massive reputation when he came over to York last year. Does he travel? Is he the real deal? Or is Nature Strip the more solid horse to be going with? What's your take on it, Simon? Well, Chris Waller and James McDonald, trainer and jockey, have, uh, connected with Nature Strip, have been really hyping him up, as well as the other horse that they're running in the Jubilee on Saturday, Home Affairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got a couple of contacts in Australia, and they say, you know, that Nature Strip and Home Affairs, these are the best two sprinters they've had in Australia for a while. Well, that is saying something because we we saw in the past, you know, how well the Australian sprinters did uh, at Royal Ascot. Then there was a little bit of a break. There was a bit of controversy wasn't there um, I think a bit of testing out of um, out of training went on and um, right. anyway anyway there was a bit of a shadow over it wasn't it cast a shadow over some of their victories but anyway they are very renowned in Australia for their their sprinting horses much less renowned for their staying horses which is why so many horses are bought here where we have this talent train problem and Australia is one of the places which likes to buy British bloodstock along with quite a few other countries now that um, get a trip uh, and uh, you know uh, have a sufficiently high rating but with the sprinters you tell them they, they've got no middle distance horses in Australia it's all speed no. down there it is and you know it's it, it, it's regrettable and i think i think a lot of people that follow the racing in australia really regret it as well you know it's yeah. all very well having these speed balls i personally i much prefer staying horses and uh, you know, I, th- I think sprints, sometimes it's whose turn is it, you know, unless you get an outstanding horse. Definitely. I saw the footage of Nature Strip working at Ascot a couple of days ago. It was a solo, but he looked good. He looked really good, I thought, to my eye. Um, and 11 to 4 will be the biggest price he started for, for at least a year. Yeah. And he's won most of the big sprints in Australia. He has been beaten once or twice, but... He um, comes into this of a, a really impressive win at Randwick last time out in a Group 1, which he beats an old rival called Eduardo by over three lengths. Um, it was heavy ground. I think he's pretty much um, versatile with the ground. Um, and he could just be too good. With regard to Golden Powell, my, I love to see Wesley Ward's horses running Ascot. I I don't know about you, but I think it's just stunning how quick they are out of the stalls. Phenomenal. I mean, he, he really shows up British trainers, to be honest, because, I mean, this horse, like so many of his stable companions before, he could be four lengths clear after 50 yards. Yeah. You know, they're so fast away. But that could be this horse's downfall, and it was at York, wasn't it, in the Nunthorpe last season. He just went too fast. And this is a lot stiffer than York. This is a much stiffer five furlongs than the five at York. And he didn't really last at York until, 
he didn't really get to the furlong pole. I mean, he was gone. You know, he just showed dazzling speed. And it's just whether he's going to be able to hold on. And he's very impressive around those turns in America. But I think the stiff nature of Ascot, he's been over here twice now. He was very much fancied, wasn't he, to win, was it the Norfolk State? The Norfolk, as, yeah. as got beaten by the Learjet. And then, um, as I say, he was disappointing in the Nunthorpe last season. He's a very exciting horse. And I love to see Wesley Ward having at least one winner because I think he's a great character and he, he has done a lot to internationalise this meeting and, and he really has added something. I, I'll never forget when Lady Aurelia won. Oh. I mean, that, that, was, that was unbelievable. And every now and again, he's got, he brings a, a real star over. And I think later in the week, Campanella is going to be running again and she's a very good filly. And so... Um, Anyway, I just think that Golden Power could possibly set it up for Nature Strip. And even though it's five furlongs, you know, it's possible to just go too fast. Yeah. And if Nature Strip, it could be ideal for him. But equally, there are a couple of home runners, and we're not so renowned for our sprinters, a couple of home runners who do finish off well. And I'm talking about the first two at Haydock last time, Kings Lynn and Twilight Calls, both strong finishers at the distance. And I don't quite understand why Twilight Cause is a much shorter price than Kings Lynn, who's mm-hmm. 12 to 1, because Kings Lynn got the verdict that day. Uh, it may be that Twilight Cause was slightly held up in his run. Both are improving. I think Kings Lynn is still improving. He didn't get a very good run in this race last year and then was unlucky. He ran again later in the meeting and didn't get a clear run either. That was in the Wokingham. But uh, he stepped up. He's won the Temple Stakes at Haydock last time out. Okay, by a head to Twilight Calls, not much between them. But I'd have thought that um, he could just pick up a few pieces at the end. The trouble is, are you really wasting your win bet by going each way, Kings Lynn? You know, is it really likely that he's going to beat Nature Strip? Well, that's that's the decision to make. But I, I thought I think at twelve to one, you know, he's he's a fair price. Maybe just a small bet for an upset just in case the Australian horse doesn't turn up. Yeah, and in the Jubilee year, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Kings Lynn is well supported, currently 12 to 1 with Kaluki. Um, I'm bemused as well as to how he's such a bigger price than, than Twilight Calls. The only thing yeah. I can come up with is the booking of Ryan Moore. And maybe that's what's what's moved the market for Twilight Calls, but I don't think they'll be that far apart on the day. Uh, and I'm completely with you about Nature Strip as well. I think that You've explained that perfectly, how this race is going to set up. Peter Fornatal kind of echoes your thoughts as well when he broke down the American Challenge for us during the, on Friday. Uh, the show came out Saturday. Um, and, and he was very much of a similar opinion that Nature Strip will be towed into this race by Golden Pal. So he also has a concern mm-hmm. about him traveling. Um, so when they're both 11 to 4... I'll take Nature Strip. Thanks very much. Uh, this, well, I agree. I think Nature Strip. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. I, I think I think it could work out absolutely fine. But equally, James McDonald probably doesn't want to be sitting too close to Golden Powell. I mean, he's got to have faith that Golden Powell is going to start slowing down pretty rapidly in the final furlong. Um, if he goes to, if he takes Golden Powell on, I think that would be very unwise. But James McDonald's top class rider. And uh, I'm sure he knows what to do, and he knows the horse very well. And it's going to be a surprise. I think, I think it's going to be a major shock down under if this horse is beaten. Yeah, the Aussies won't be happy. Be riots. No, 
riots on yeah, the streets they, of Sydney if this fella doesn't go. Well, out. you know, they, we, as we all know, they really don't like it up. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we we can but hope. No, I don't. <laughs> I hope the horse. I hope the best horse wins. We want everyone else. Oh. You want to see the champions. You want to see champions emerging, and this horse could be a world champion. And, he's, and, it, and it's great that he's come over. I think the the fact that we have these international runners at Ascot really adds. Tremendous amount of the meeting. Yeah, 100%. And uh, based in Lambourne, which is tremendous as well. I think Chris Waller's assistant mm. trainer is from Lambourne. So um, that's that's where they've set up shop. And uh, as you say, James McDonald and Irad Ortiz Jr. coming over as well. It's not just the trainers, it's the jockeys too. They mean business and it's it's going to be a cracker. Looking forward to it. Um, Kings Lynn, the alternative. But we're both with Nature Strip. Um, Golden Pal for the blowout. Set it up for his son. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Right, the St. James's Palace Stakes at 4.20. Uh, Kaluki surprised me today as Caribus has drifted from 2 to 5 to 8 to 11. Uh, Mike Prospero is 7 to 2, uh, one of two guns for William Haggis, the second being Maljum. He's 7 to 1. And Mighty Ulysses, who was beaten in a handicap last time out, but to quote our good friend Mark Milligan, group horse in a handicap, uh, Frankie Dettori takes over from Benoit de la Sayette, and he is currently 16 to 1. Uh, Aidan O'Brien just has the one runner. Akil, I think he might be the only horse we didn't cover in the Aidan O'Brien Stable Tour, which is available for you now uh, on all podcast apps, but Spotify particularly. Uh, the 2000 Guineas winner, Charlie Appleby and William Buick, what they've done this season has been remarkable. The 2000 mm. Guineas in Ireland, the UK, and France with different horses, and he's the selected of those three to come to the St. James's Palace Stakes. Uh, has he got to too big a price now, or are you looking elsewhere? Well, he's too short for me. I mean, I think, uh, you know, unless you're a really big player, you're going to have to take odds on Shaw, aren't you? Mm. Uh, I would have thought, even though he is, as you say, drifting a little bit. But uh, I can't really see him being a backable uh, price, not not for most hunters. Um, if you're a really big player... And you might get on actually at Ascot because it's such a you know big market. You know you might get a, a big bet on, but Good point. Um, it's hard. It's hard to see him being beaten, isn't it? Really, because he he just looks such a gorgeous horse. And okay, the the Guineas form is probably a little bit untested. Native Trail came out the the second at Newmarket. He came out and won the Irish Guineas, but I don't know about you. I thought he was just a little bit workmanlike when he won the Irish Guineas. I thought he'd win bit with a little bit more in hand perhaps maybe he wants a little bit further native trail i'm sure they'll probably go a bit further but this horse caribus and he shows such a lovely turn of foot to get very quickly in the firing line at newmarket he looks 
very uncomplicated. He looks very smart. And I just love these Dubawis. They're so thick set and strong. And he's a beautiful horse, I think. It's a pity we haven't been able to get more form lines on the guineas, really. Um, Luxembourg, obviously, who was oh. third at Newmarket, um, got an injury. I don't know whether the injury was sustained when he stumbled at the start of that race, but um, I think they were missing him at Epsom, weren't they, the other day? Oh, I mean, he, they he, were. He was number they, one. You know, what's, yeah. you know what's bad is one of my one of my betting accounts, and that's why I'm so glad that you said uh, you, you will get on for Royal Ascot because, oh, God. Uh, we're going to do a special on, on the betting industry as well, by the way. But um, uh, Kaluki will take your bet. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, it is there, a, there, there it is it a major issue, isn't it? There, you know, we, we can talk all day about, um, you know, have a bet on this one. We, you know, maybe have a little bet on that one. But but will 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 everyone be able to get on? Because the, you know, I think you know the only place if you're a big punter, the one place where you'll probably certainly get on this week is at the track. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're still, you can still get a big bet on at the track, but uh, so I mean, Caribas probably might appeal to the big players. I don't really intend to go against him. I, I did see he's he, on the guineas for me. He holds Berkshire Shadow and Lucille, both of whom ran very creditably at Newmarket, fifth and sixth. But, you know, they've got quite a lot to make up on Caribus, who should be open to further improvement. I think he looks a class act. The interesting one, potentially, I think, is William Haggis's horse, My Prospero, who I saw winning at Sandown uh, the other day. And it's a, it's a step up. And afterwards, actually, Maureen Haggis was of the view that it might be a, a bit of a, too much of a step up to go from a listed race to the St. James's Palace Stakes when, when the press asked her about the horse. But he's running. He beat Reach for the Moon, who's very well fancied to win for the Queen later in the week. He is a massive horse. I mean, he is just knocks your eye out. He really does, my Prospero. And he was impressive that night. And they finished, he and Reach for the Moon finished well clear of the third who'd absolutely bolted up on his previous start. So the form might be all right. And my Prospero can only really improve. I mean, he's only run three times. So I'm not saying that he's going to beat Caribas, but he's definitely an interesting horse. There's a couple of very interesting horses in this race, and I'm, I'm going to take a swing. And I'm trying to decide, do I do this without... Caribus, or do we be very, very brave and hope that something bizarre happens and uh, everything goes to plan for this fellow? Uh, Wexford Native, who I've mentioned on the show before, he was fourth in the Irish 2000 Guineas last time out, but he was only beaten three lengths, and it was only his third ever lifetime start. And Jim Bolger, from what I'm told, they think the world of him, uh, he's 40s with Kaluki. And you can get 25s without. And that would be my play in the race. Because I'm like yourself. I, there's a part of me that goes, oh, you're now getting 8 to 11. And you're kind of enticed into throwing them into your lucky 31. But it's not a price. Mm. It's it's just not a price. And sometimes you just have to look. There's so many betting opportunities. There's seven races a day. You just have to mm. let a horse like him run. But as you well, go I down, think, uh, as I go down through the field, I can't get away from Wexford Native. And I think that, that four, I'm, I think I'll take the 40s and just hope something crazy happens. Um, he's coming out of stall three, so he's well-positioned. Uh, Kevin Manning on board. And Jim Bulger, the fact that Jim is even bringing him over, I think says an awful lot. I also don't think it's the best renewal. I don't... This is not a very good renewal of the St. James's Palace Stakes. The winner... The, the horse... 
Karibis, if he wins this, that's terrific. But I, I don't know what he's, what he's actually really up against. Uh, and so for that reason, I'm prepared to take a swing at something. And, and the horse I'll take a swing with is, is Wexford Native. Well, fair enough. Yes, I mean it, it does. I think you know when you've got an odds-on favourite like this, if you're going to have a bet, it does call for a little bit of imagination, doesn't it? You know, if you're going to try and make it pay, if you don't fancy taking eleven to eight on the horse, as you say, hasn't run very often. He's only run three times. He's got to turn turn around the places, hasn't he, with um, new energy? Mm. He was uh, second at uh, the Curra at a big price and um, seems to be very highly regarded as well. And uh, But it's just hard to see the way Caribus won at Newmarket. You know, it's going to be a major shock if he's beaten, to be honest. It is. And I think he's the... There was a conversation about if the stalls were swapped, if Caribus came out of Native Trail stall, it would have been a different result. I don't agree with that at all. I think the best horse won on the day and I think he is the better horse. And I was concerned about Native Trail's Irish 2000 Guineas when I didn't think it was breathtaking stuff he's probably looking for 10 furlongs now and that's an yes. issue you know for a horse who is so highly regarded as a two-year-old i'm just and it is strange to be slagging off a horse who's just won a classic but yeah anyway caribus hard to beat eight yeah. to eleven is there uh go to kaluki they will have pitches all over ascot and uh they'll take a bet on the day gentleman's bet on you go get stuck in ladies have what you want on have a chat with the lads, and uh, and they look after you, and then take the slates off As- Ascot with uh, Wexford Native causing a massive upset at forties. Um, that that'll that'll be a sweet result if that comes off. Uh, right, the Ascot Stakes Heritage Handicap over two mile four. This race tends to go to the jumps, boys. That being said, Ian Williams has won the race twice in the last three years. Uh, Willie Mullins has taken it uh, a considerable amount of times, including. Uh, three victories with Ryan Moore in the last 10 years. And Ryan Moore is uh, teaming up with his old friend again. Bring on the night in the album photo colours. 9-2 to two with Kaluki. Pied Piper, fascinating runner. Jamie Spencer's been booked for the ride and he's tongue-tied for the first time for Gordon Elliott. 5-1 to one, and is shortening all the time. Arcadian Sunrise for John Queeley. 8-1. to one. Uh, Andrew Balding has Coltrane at 8. And uh, Marshall Plan for John and Thady Gosden in the Godolphin colours. Frankie on board. Not nines uh we should mention the Ian Williams horse Rishon uh with the Derby winning jockey Richard Kingscote on board 12s when you're looking at a race like this th- this is where the the draw really comes into play um so we need to bear that in mind but also when you're looking at a race like this are you very much focused on the jumps boys given their recent record in the race on well yes their record speaks for itself, doesn't it? And yes, I would be a little bit worried by, you know, a horse that was drawn very wide. Uh, one of the jumping trainers represented is Dan Skelton, and um, uh, he's uh, got Crosschema his top weight, and has been a progressive horse over hurdles. And the thing I like about him is that he stays very well because this is two and a half miles, but he's drawn eighteen and eighteen of twenty. You know, it's a uh, it's just not ideal, I don't think, really. Um, we've got the Chester Cup form being put to the test with Coltrane, who chased home Cleveland, very narrowly beaten by Cleveland at Chester, and the fourth, Arcadian Sunrise, uh, re-opposing each other. Both, you'd have thought, would have big chances. Both have got decent draws. Arcadian Sunrise, maybe he's the one that um, is 
the more likely Thurstair, possibly, of the two. I like the fact that John Queeley's got Harry Davis on board, claiming five. I think uh, that's a, a big advantage. Harry's doing tremendously well. I think he's had getting on for 30 winners this season. It's I mean, insane. He's, he's not, he's not going to be claiming for very long, you know. And, um, you know, he, he I've seen him in interviews and he speaks very well, but uh, I'm astonished by how young he looks. You know, he looks, looks about 12, really. But, um, <laughs> he does. Fantastic. The baby faced assassin. He is baby faced, very much so. But he's 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 a another graduate of the Andrew Balding Apprentice Academy, isn't he? And uh, and it seems like Andrew Balding made an exception for him because if you remember a year or two ago, there was a bit of a change in the um situation regarding apprentices and how much trainers could benefit by having apprentices in the yard. And Andrew was very upset about this, particularly as he he's um has um provided the launch pad for many excellent careers. You know, you think of Ashim Murphy and, uh, um, you know, Rob Hornby more, more recently. Oh, there's, I've forgotten most of them, but, the, the, you know, a lot of great riders have come out of uh, Kingsclear. Yep. And um, he made an exception for Harry Davis, who I think has been going in, in there for since he was, you know, 12, <laughs> probably. <laughs> and um, and uh, so... He's been brought along, and he's obviously extremely talented. Uh, he, along with um, Benoit de la Sayette, I think are the two real hotshot apprentices, aren't they, at the moment? That, uh, trainers are just desperate to take advantage of their their allowance. So anyway, John Queeley's got um, Harry Davis for Cadian Sunrise, the horse who came over and won at the uh, Ebor meeting, I think, wasn't it, last season? Mm-hmm. Won very well there. And um, I thought he has to be of interest after that uh, comeback run in the Chester Cup. And presumably he'd been trained for this race ever since. I have to say, it's not a race that I've done historically very well <laughs> in, in the past. I don't think I've ever backed the winner. You've got, it's very tricky with some of these jumping horses like Pied Piper. This is further than he's ever gone on the flat. So he's got to stay, but obviously he was a very good juvenile hurdler during the winter. And then you've got Willie's horse, Bring on the Night. Twice the winner on the flat in France, ran behind Constitution Hill in the in the Supreme. Um, honestly, don't know what to make of him, but the bookmakers will probably not take too many chances being one of Willie Mullins's. So tough race, but uh, maybe Arcadian Sunrise. I haven't really decided yet. I, I do uh, some. Uh, fascinating tipping pieces on the Sporting Life website, and um, I haven't really decided yet, but maybe maybe Arcadian Sunrise. Yeah, the, the <clears throat> going is going to be intriguing as well because that that's a question for for most of these. Um, like Pipe Piper, his his form is good to soft essentially, but given his pedigree, good to firm might actually bring out improvement in him. And I'm fascinated. Like he has one on good at Cheltenham, for example. And uh, I finished third on good at, at Yarmouth on the flat. He was a damn good horse. Um, and uh, I, I'm intrigued that they've decided to come here. I think that... Yeah. It's uh, six furlongs further than he's ever run on the flat, though. You know, so, yeah. You know, this is... And obviously, his, all his um, um, form over hurdles has been around two miles. So there is a, a, that little bit of a question mark. Um his dam, just looking it up here, was a mile and a quarter winner on the flat. Um, so, you know, the horse has got to prove his stamina, but, uh, you know, he, he if he's improved as he appeared to for joining Gordon Elliott, 
looking at the way he was transformed by hurdling, if he's improved on that, then he could be well handicapped, you know, on the flat, you know, and uh, he's got a he's got a rating of 145 over hurdles and he's running off 96 here. So, you know, normally you think there's a, we would normally uh, uh, expect or assume a rate, a gap between the two codes of about 35, 40 pounds. So uh, on that basis, he's still reasonably handicapped on the flat. Yeah. That's a good point to make as well. Um, Bring on the night is nicely weighted, perfectly drawn. Uh, Arcadian Sunrise perfectly drawn Harry Davis on board and uh, Arcadian Sunrise we should say is potentially going to frank the form of Cleveland who we'll, we'll talk about in a couple of minutes but um, Arcadian Sunrise is the horse that interests you and, and for me it's it's Pied Piper I think this, the booking of Spencer is, is particularly interesting in the first time tongue tie um, I think this could be a Royal Ascot winner for, for Gordon Elliott uh, but I wouldn't be complaining if it's Harry Davis and, and John Queeley either, and it's intriguing that Andrew Balding is allowing allowing uh, Harry Davis to, to be on board because that £5 claim is incredibly valuable and it's going and going fast. Uh, right, the Wolverton Stakes, the listed race over a mile and two furlongs. Cadillac for Jessica Harrington and Shane Foley is currently 6-1 to one with Kaluki. Juan Elcano for Kevin Ryan and Andrea Zini, 13-2, and has been very, very well supported, was 10-1 to one yesterday. Uh, Regal Reality for Sir Michael Stett and Ryan Moore, 7-1 uh, as the old team reunite. And Paul and Oliver Cole uh, team up with Jim Crowley, who's got a fantastic record at the Royal Meeting. Majestic Dawn uh, is 8-1. to one. Fox's Tales, given the fact that we have a three-legged fox. True story. Felix, who comes here to the house. Uh, each evening for his dinner. Uh, Fox's Tales currently nines. Simon, you're taking the Wolverton. I'm, I'm pleased, actually, just before we go on, you, you feed your fox, do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we feed him dog food. Oh. Yeah, pedigree chum. Oh, that, I think that is, because, uh, you know, there's a you know, a different sort of opinion, I think, about feeding foxes. And uh, I've got a bit of woodland at the bottom of the back garden, and we, we have, um, you know, three or four foxes, you know, that are regularly oh, around in there. They're very respectful and um, and they're rather thin, you know. And from what I understand, you know, a lot of town foxes just starve to death. You know, if they're knocked down, if they're not knocked down on the road, which is something you see uh, rather too much of. Sadly, all too often. And, um, exactly. And um, so, uh, yeah, we, we give them a bit of food because, um, you know, they don't really have any natural prey in the, in the town, um, um, apart from a few rodents, I would guess. And... Uh, we haven't seen with the foxes around you. We haven't seen too many mice in this area. So, so, they're, so they're doing their bit, you know. So uh, anyway, I, I'm glad to hear that actually, because uh, if you're an animal lover, I think you know you see a, an animal that is so weak and almost wasting away. You know, you do you feel obliged to do something. And, uh, and um, yeah, so we we give them give them a little bit of food. Anyway, I, I know, there is there is a. a difference of opinion on this because I, I tweeted a photograph mm-hmm. of it and, and I'm not going to say who it was because it was a private conversation yeah. but this individual came up to me and was like the hell are you doing the hell are you doing yeah. feeding the fox and it was yeah. Felix's mother Faye and at the time my mother was was getting treatment um, for for cancer and she was very low you know obviously you're getting pumped full of all kinds of chemicals and you're trying to fight off mm. this awful thing and this fox arrived, and she would come up to the window, and she would jump on the windowsill. Oh, and, and I don't encourage that. Actually, now, now we we, <laughs> we never never touched her, right? Never tried to rub her or anything like that. We just we would feed her, and you actually you could hand feed her. 
but never broke that bond of, of like giving her a rub because I didn't feel that was appropriate. Neither of us did. But she just brought so much joy to, mm. to my mother and I definitely was a huge help in her recovering. And the mm-hmm. day that mom rang the bell like to, to say that that was the treatment done and thank God she's recovered and such wood, with help of God, all, all is good. Um, we saw her that night and we haven't seen her since. Oh, so, right. uh, but this is, is clearly the son because it's in the DNA to come here, and he comes the exact same way. But he's he's mm. lost his left hind leg; it's just a yeah. stump. So, yeah. I mean, how can you not? Like, he's sitting there. He's very shy. Uh, runs yeah, runs yeah. away the second you come out. But he's yeah. so gentle. Feed him, and one evening it seems like his partner and and a younger fox. So I'm guessing his his son uh, or daughter. Uh, the three of them, it was actually four. There was four foxes running around the, the garden here one night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, what in, what is going, this is amazing. So, yeah, I, I always try to be you often, kind. Um, you often see them um, hobbling around. And I, I I don't know what it, I don't think it's uh, collisions with cars. I think maybe they fight a little bit or they, they run too fast and, get, you know, take a bad step. But, but you know, we're yeah. usually one of the ones that comes out at some stage or another. One of them is usually hobbling or lame, you know. Um, I don't really encourage them to come too close to the house. Uh, I think um, it just if they just stay in the garden, that's absolutely fine. You, you have, there have been stories of foxes getting a little bit too bold, and um, I don't think you really want one in the house. Oh, God, no. Apparently their urine no. is, you can't no, get rid of the smell. I don't, no, exactly. So it'd be like having a tomcat come into the house and, <laughs> you know, releasing. <laughs> it's answering oh. a call of nature. Trust me, I had to spray a bottle of Febreze here one night on, on a Tomcat. It was, oh, no. Uh, anyway, uh, right. We so digress, anyway. We, we digress. So this, <laughs> this is a good point, though, because Fox's tails cost 400 grand. So maybe he's the just the simple solution. Just go with the horse that costs yeah. the most money. Uh, it's, it's a difficult race to break down in terms of it's very competitive. It's very, very open. Uh, one Alcano cost a fortune. Uh, but I can understand why Cadillac is, is favored. He was... He's been held in high regard for, for a while. A um, little bit disappointing, but he's come back behind Lafayette. Um, Pearls galore, first of all, for Paddy Toomey. Uh, but it was very, very impressive last time. I, I don't know if he's, if he's a horse that I'd hang my hat on, though. I think I'd probably be looking elsewhere here. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, he's he has had this high reputation, hasn't he, Cadillac? But he's been beaten a few times. It does look an open race, and Fox's Tales won at the meeting last year. Um, Juan Alcano won this race last year, so uh, both uh, big players again are the Fox's Tales drawn out in stall 16 over a mile and a quarter. That is not ideal, I don't think. Um, there's a horse I really like, and this is a this is perhaps um, unprofessional because I just like this horse, and that is a horse called Tasman Bay. It's trained by Mark Todd. And he's got James McDonald to ride him. And he's just a gorgeous horse. Uh, it, it was always going to take a little bit of time. He's, he's, a, he's a big big boy. You know, he's a big unit. And he's been relatively lightly raced. He ran once in 2020. And then last year, he had six runs. And he ran well on all those runs, really, against some very good horses, you know, likes of um, Dubai Honor. He was third to Dubai Honor at Deauville. In the uh, pre Guillaume Dornano, he was uh, third behind Bayid uh, at uh, Goodwood, and he was a good second actually, looking back on it now, behind um, Alan Kerr in last season's King Edward the Seventh. 
And uh, that was a fair run in retrospect. It was in heavy ground. I'd be a little bit concerned about the going. You know, he has run well on good ground. He won first time out last season. I think there's more to come from him. He's still lightly raced. And what's more, it's a good sign, and something I should have said at the top of it, that a trainer coming into Royal Ascot has had a few winners, and Sir Mark Todd has had a couple of winners lately. They're running okay. So I, I think... Um, He's just a horse I really have taken a liking to, and um, I will be having a bit of each way, I think, on Tasman Bay yeah. in an open run. Yeah, it makes sense. Form with Hurricane Lane uh, as, as well as Alan Kerr, who, of course, has gone on to win a Group 1 this season, so I, I couldn't put anybody off. Uh, 12 to 1 is the price. After the gelding operation, he comes out of stall 6, so 12 to 1 with yeah. Kaluki currently. Um, and that's another factor as well, is that they've they've taken the, the gelding operation, and um, as you said, he goes well fresh, so why not? Um, I, I think if I was going to be getting stuck into something, and I have to decide yet, uh, John Gosden won this, has won has a very good record in this race. He's won it three times in the last decade. And I know they thought an awful lot of Harvonian. Har, Harovian. Yes. You see, this is the problem with trying to pronounce names when you've got the world's greatest <laughs> you, commentator you on the show. Harrow, obviously, yeah. <laughs> you didn't obviously. You weren't you weren't a, um, a colleague of Nick Lux at Harrow, obviously. Here's the funny thing, and Nick and I have said this on the show. I used to spend summers in Harrow. Oh, right, yeah. With, with my I've cousins. Been to Harrow, to be honest. But my, con- my cousins are London Irish, so it was you know, more like, all right, lads, what's the crap? It wasn't like, good day, sir, how are you all? Like some Eden mess, uh, but lovely spot, Harrow. And uh, shout out to Brendan and Katie and all the crew. Uh, but I, I think he's the one I would go for, uh, Frankie Dettori on board. Uh, he's the son of Lawada de Sermo out of a Sadler as well as mayor. They um, took him to Maidan. He was a massive prize last time out. Uh, he went to Saudi Arabia as well, but you know, former pile driver. He was second to mm. him at, at Lingfield. Th- there's enough yep. there for me to think he's a fella that they've laid out for this and he could improve. And he's coming out of stall four too. So nine to one about Harovin, Harovini, Harovin, Harovin. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, more coffee, please. Uh, last race, then, Simon. Uh, last yeah. one. Last piece of duty for you on the final forum podcast for Royal Ascot 2022, my friend. Um, more preview shows to come for each day, um, and this is going to be live on Talksport too, as well. I should say I'll be presenting on Thursday. Simon will be commentating, which is fantastic. Uh, on Gold Cup Day, we'll have Oshin Murphy on the show in the afternoon as well. Uh, you, of course, you can see him on Sky and um, uh, more great interviews throughout the afternoon too. So make sure you're checking out TalkSport 2 if you can't get to a screen. Uh, the Copper Horse Stakes, uh, Aidan O'Brien confirmed on Friday on the final furlong that Cleveland would indeed go here. He had the option of running in the Gold Cup as well. Kiprios is shortened now. Uh, Ryan Moore on board for Aiden and dropping back in trip and testing this Chester Cup form. First time Aiden won the race. I'll be completely honest with you and say that the 3-1 to one with Kaluki seems very generous to me because he's twos elsewhere and I would take it. He looked as though he had a touch of class, didn't he, when he won the Chester Cup. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a bit of a revelation, really. It was an extraordinary um, step up in distance. A very imaginative thing to do. Um, but Aidan O'Brien, you know, there's, there's no obstacles in terms of what he tries. You know, and this horse had run over 10 furlongs on his previous start, never run further than 10, and then goes up and win, wins a Chester Cup over two and a quarter miles. And, you know, he was given a great ride, I think, by Ryan Moore that day, who found a way through, but he was just going better than anything else. Uh, only won by a net from Coltrane, 
Uh, obviously, it'd be of interest to see how Coltrane and Arcadian Sunrise, second and fourth in the Chester Cup, get on in the Ascot Stakes. So it's a completely different uh, race, uh, two and a half miles. So they're going a bit further. Cleveland is coming back in distance. Don't think that's going to be any problem at all. Uh, he only won narrowly at Chester, so he's only gone up five pounds, which, um, given the way he travelled in the race, the way he looked pretty decent, um, seems quite lenient, really. But you know, if you only win by a small margin, anyone by a neck, you know, it's almost impossible for the handicapper to justify putting a horse up by too much. So he could still be very well handicapped, Emma. You may be absolutely right. And he, he does look potentially the most exciting horse in the race. I think that's the best way to describe it, really. There are some horses that are in good form, uh, get shirty. It's quite a nice stare in France and has done very well for David O'Mara. Uh, the trip should be absolutely fine for him. He's going really well. Wanda Montalban, he won on the course uh, last time out. Seems to have improved. He's with uh, a very good young trainer, Kevin Philippard de Foix, who is doing fantastically this season. But he did go up nine pounds, and he's going a bit further here. And the other one, uh, or two others, I think, worth mentioning, Joseph O'Brien's horse, Okita Sushi, mm. who is... Very unexposed, just three runs, and seemed to put up an improved effort when splitting Ray's you and Wordsworth at the Curra last time out in the listed race. Only his third lifetime run. So he could be anything, really, and he was staying on well in that race. That was a mile and a half, so the, the step up in trip looks interesting uh, for Okita Sushi, not that well drawn. And the other one, the aforementioned uh, John and Thady Gosden and Frankie de Tory stole, mm. who... For him, this is a drop in class. He has been running in group races, listed races. He was third in the Queen's Vars at this meeting last season, just uh, behind Kamara and Wordsworth and was staying on well in the closing stages. I suppose you could say he's come up a bit short in some of these group races. Uh, this season, third at Newbury, and then he was only fourth on the course behind Al-Azi. But again, it wasn't a disastrous run. He was only just behind third realm, who's bolted up since. So I do think that this is a drop in class, and he's a horse with, I think, a lot of ability without being completely straightforward. But I think Frankie is the man and uh, in the big field, and he's drawn in the middle. I just wonder if he might have a bit of a class edge. That's an intriguing one. Frankie Dettori coming out of stall 10 for the Rothschilds. Mm. Uh, for John and Thady Gosden, the son of Zophany, of course, a Royal Ascot winner. Um, back in the day, out of a Selkirk mare, uh, I'm, he's sixes. So you can either go with the best commentator in the business at six to one, or you can go with me in Cleveland at threes, or two to one with some firms. But three to one with Kaluki right now, and Stoll, Stoll is six to one with Kaluki. Um, Simon, as we bring our coverage of, of day one to a close, what is your best bet on the opening day of Royal Ascot 2022? Well, now you're asking. I didn't know you were going to ask that. <laughs> Who would have thought he'd ask for a nap yes, on a tipping show? Yeah. Um, I think probably, I know, it's, it's, you're jumping on the bandwagon a bit, but I think the Australian sprinter could be very good. So Nature Strip, I think 11 to 4. I think people will be saying in Australia, how did he start at 11 to 4? He's never started that price for a very long time. So I thought Nature Strip, and I'd go each way with Tasman Bay, I think, in the Wolferton. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I had a friend who's in Australia get in touch with me and say, 
Is Home Affairs really four to one for the Platinum Jubilee? <laughs> I don't think they'll believe the prices. Uh, you know, there, there's so much talk. Actually, Chris Waller and James McDonald, you know, are risking looking a bit silly if they get beat because they basically, I have been saying, you know, that they, they fully expect them to win. Yeah. They, they fully expect so, both to win, which is terrific. And Chris Waller's a, you know, renowned, you know, he's a, a, a tremendous trainer, trainer of Winks, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. And, and, um, you know, they just think that these two, my, my Paolo, I was in correspondence with earlier today from Australia, uh, now retired journalist over there, racing journalist. And he, he just said, these two are really good horses, you know. So um, maybe we be a bit foolish looking elsewhere, given that the, um, as we said earlier, you know, that the home home brigade of sprinters is um, traditionally not as strong as those down in, in Australia and certainly don't look that strong at the moment. Yeah, our crop just keep beating one another. Um, yes. Which is, is a, a point that you made earlier on, that they just they just continuously, un, until a superstar emerges, that's what happens. It's just, oh, now it's your turn. Um, and so I'm not particularly interested in, in our team, but nature strip i'm all over you've napped him so i can't which means i'll i'll swing for the fences and uh could look very stupid or could look like an absolute genius uh wexford native will be the the nap that i will put up and he's currently 40s with kaluki and i'm gonna go with the each way 40s instead of the without we'll, we'll take the uh 40s each way um so i'm an absolute pleasure having your company and talking about day one of royal ascot this is look, there, there are so many great meetings uh, throughout the the entire year, um, would be at Cheltenham, Aintree. I absolutely love those, Punchestown, but there's something very special about Royal Ascot. It's a marathon to get through it when you're working there, but I, I absolutely love it, and I'm very excited to be back on TalkSport 2 for it as well, and of course doing all these shows in the final furlong. Uh, as we record, Simon, there's only one day and 18 hours to the start of Royal Ascot, so I'm very, very excited for it, and uh, best of luck in the commentary box throughout the week as well. Thank you, Emmett. Uh, great we, to be with you again. Oh, fantastic to have your company, Simon. Always great to get your, your insight and uh, terrific to have your company as well. Um, speaking of company, Andy Richmond, uh, Ben Aiken, and uh, Mark um, um, Mark Milligan will all be here to preview the next days. So Ben is taking care of Wednesday. Uh, Andy is doing Gold Cup Day. And then Mark and I will do uh, Friday and Saturday at Royal Ascot as well. It's a lot of insight and hopefully lots of gravy on the way too. Uh, from Simon Holt and from me, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, Peter Fornatal breaks down the American challenge. Peter Fornatal, as an American journalist, going against Golden Pal and going for the Aussie form with Nature Strip. We're all over Nature Strip on the final furlong. Uh, so that's telling you. Uh, and the Aidan O'Brien stable tour and John Gosling as well. They are all, all available for you right now uh, on your podcast app. Enjoy day one of Royal Ascot. We're back here for day two. Uh, with uh, Ben Aiken. Take care, be safe, jump to you soon. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain. To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, but in 
instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.